Welcome to the URM Journey to Academic Medicine podcast, also known as the URM Jam, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. On this podcast, we will address the real and perceived barriers faced by historically underrepresented in medicine students and residents who are considering a career in academic family medicine. We'll provide practical tips and personal advice on topics like leadership, scholarly activity, CVs, mentorship, and more. I'm Dr. Omari Hodge. And I'm Dr. Tochi Iroku Maliz. And this is URM Jam. Welcome to today's episode of URM Jam. We have Dr. Kendall Campbell with us today. Dr. Campbell hails from Texas, where he works at UTMB Health from East Carolina University Brody School of Medicine. He most recently served as Associate Dean for Academic Affairs, Chief Academic Officer, and Associate Professor of Family Medicine. He also served as their Associate Dean for Diversity and Inclusion and Director for the Research Group for Underrepresented Minorities in Academic Medicine. Prior to his tenure at East Carolina University, Dr. Campbell served on the faculties at Florida State University College of Medicine and the University of Florida College of Medicine. Dr. Campbell earned a Bachelor of Science from Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, Florida, and a Doctorate of Medicine from the University of Florida College of Medicine in Gainesville. He completed a residency with the Tallahassee Memorial Family Medicine Residency Program in Tallahassee, Florida. Currently, he holds the Seeley Hutchins and Lucille Wright Hutchins Chair in Family Medicine. Dr. Campbell, thank you for being with us today. The honor is ours. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So, yes, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, being here. Um, I just want to echo that. Uh, We know that you have vast experience in navigating academic medicine. And so the first question we have for you to answer for our listeners out there is why is negotiation important in academic medicine? You know, when we think about academic medicine and who we are as academicians, The most important thing is for us to know what's available to us to help us be successful in our work. And being successful is not only just accomplishing a job, you know, in terms of day-to-day tasks, it's being successful at a career in academic medicine. So being successful at leaving a contribution to the field. So I think I think that's probably the, the the most important reason. There are other reasons, obviously, because you want to be able to hear your path to advancement in academic medicine, and you also want to know what you're entitled to as a faculty member. Right. Now, I, I, I will absolutely agree with that because I know that a lot of people, they, they kind of feel that there's this hierarchy in academic medicine and secrecy about, you know, in academic medical centers. Um, you know, they don't, they, they don't know what's, what's out there. What's compensation? What's the re- What are the resources? What, what priorities do they even have in them, in themselves? Um, you know, just that transparent information on the salary and, and the guidelines and what are the policies and, and, and resources that, again, that are available to them if they go into this career. So it's, so it's such a, like almost like a secret society, academic medicine. Academic well, well and, and there's yeah. a bigger piece. There's a bigger mm-hmm. piece to that mm-hmm. because, I mean, you're talking about the nuts and bolts of the thing, but this is the URIM podcast. So there are unique challenges or, or, or things that academic medicine has in place that we as URIM faculty have to consider when we assume the role. And that's understanding the literature and knowing about the minority tax and gratitude taxes. And the history of how academic right. medicine has treated us as academicians. Right, right. And because at times it feels like there's this veil 
that, and we've said this word plenty of times on these on these podcasts, that imposter syndrome can somebody can sometimes sneak in to these contract negotiations and uh, make it difficult for us to uh, appropriately value our talents and contributions. So that's yeah. another element of why this is so important for us to understand what's available and right. what we can get. Well, and it's knowing your worth. And I think that that we as as you are, I am faculty, a lot of times we don't know what we're worth and we allow the institution to tell us what our worth is. Mm. And that impacts the way we negotiate. That is very true. Very true. So what are the key components of a standard academic contract for a physician, whether it's clinical research, academic, administrative ratios, all those all those intricacies? What are the key components? So, so there are a lot of moving pieces and parts here. I think the most important would be responsibilities and percentage of effort. So, so how are you going to spend your time? Are you going to be teaching? Are you going to be seeing patients? Are you going to be doing research? Are you going to be doing administrative work? Um, those are the big things, but there are also other elements that need to be thought about. Will you be part or full time? What mm. will your rank at appointment be? Will you come in as an assistant professor? Might you come in as an associate professor? Will you be in a tenure track? Will you be in a non-tenure track? Will you have a, an appointment in one department or maybe two departments? Right. What will your start date be? <laughs> Who will you be reporting to? Absolutely. Those right. Are that, key things I'm, that I'm going to say to that that who will you be reporting to yeah. is a big deal in academic medicine, mm-hmm. because if you're just being hired clinically, you yeah. kind of know who your boss is. <laughs> but if you're an academic, <laughs> I... uh, sometimes it's not so straightforward. Right. Who's, who's actually paying your paycheck because some different divisions or departments or, or parts are, are are contributing to your paycheck. So, but who right. do you have ultimate responsibility to right. um, at the end of the day is sometimes uh, very interesting. <laughs> and, and, there's a, and there's another piece to that, that, that you are, I am faculty have to think about. And that piece is if you're not careful about how you negotiate your responsibilities and percentage of effort, you can FTE yourself out of advancement. You know, there's wow. some institutions where to get a teaching award, you have to have a certain percentage of teaching time. So if you right. don't have that percentage of teaching time, you automatically don't qualify for that award. If you don't receive that award, then it impacts your advancement and promotion. So there are a lot of pieces and parts that go into this as we talk about negotiating and figuring out what the path forward is, is supposed to be. And just for our audience members, because they're mainly uh, they may be mainly students and residents mm-hmm. out there, FTE full time equivalent. So if yeah. you're working yep. full time, you're a one FTE. If you're half time, you're point five FTE. That means you're like doing two and a half days a week, um, right. things like that. So that's how that works out. So each day is um, like a, a point two, point two FTE. A, a day is a point two. Five days is, is technically a one point FTE. Though in clinical medicine, that's not necessarily how it pans out. But uh. yeah, yeah. But I love I love that quote. By the way, FTE yourself out of advancement. That's yes. a, mm-hmm. that uh, that's that's your snippet for today. <laughs> yes, I'm snapping now. I'm snapping. Snapping. Now. Okay. I'm, snapping. <laughs> I'm snapping for that. Yeah, FTE yourself. <laughs> All right. So okay. So then okay. My question now. Okay. So. So when so the 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 student, the resident, they've graduated, they're out there, they're saying, okay, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there, I've got an interview. <laughs> when they're in the interview room, they've yeah. done interviews to get into medical school, they've done interviews to get into residency. 
now they're trying to get into interview to getting into a, an academic position. What are the questions that they should ask when negotiating an academic contract? So what should they keep in mind? What I'm, I don't care if they write them all down ahead of time and have it in a little portfolio and bring it in and say, yes, I do have questions for you. When they say, do you have any questions? Make sure you always say yes and open that book and ask those questions. But because you'll forget in the moment, right? So, but what are those questions that they should have ready to ask um, the person who's interviewing them? So I think one of the most important questions is, what is your plan for my growth as an academic position? Mm. And and then you say it, and then you kind of sit back a little bit and you wait to hear what (laughs) was said. And then another question, and these, and these are questions that, that are are a part of the whole compensation, the whole, you know, what's my assignment going to be? What clinic am I going to be assigned to? I mean, these are questions that impact your growth as an academician, which is something that we, as you are, I am folks, have the expectation of the institution for us has been low in the past. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we want to be sure that we know what the plan for growth is. Another question is, how do you anticipate me feeling included in the culture of the institution? Uh, So what, what do they do? And, and you want to base this on what the literature says about URIM faculty, and you want to look for an attitude and evidence of progress. They don't have to have arrived, but there has to be an attitude, and there's got to be some post-George Floyd evidence right. that, that folks right. are having discussions, that there's some committee work going on, that there's some initiatives, that there's mm-hmm. some policy changes that are, that are happening. Mm-hmm. That whole promotion process, that transparency that people always worried about. What what does it take to be promoted? Uh, You know, what is the plan? Uh, What are your plans for me? But then also, what what do I need to do? That checklist. How do I know when I've gotten there? Um, Because sometimes, uh, you know, you see the evaluations and you wonder how people are evaluating you when they haven't had a meeting with you. Right. right. So how, That's right. how, That's right. 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 how many times have they, you know, right. they, I, you yeah. were evaluated, you are ready for the promotion or you're right. ready for the bonus or that, that increase in salary. But then I haven't you know met with you in a while. So how do, how do you know <laughs> right. what I'm doing? And, right. and where they I'm haven't going. offered you the metrics. You haven't, you, right. You don't, right. Even, you, you don't even right. know what you're being evaluated upon. You know, that's it's right. like when you're a student or a resident, you get, you, you're told this is what you need to do to get this grade. And this is what you need to do to pass this rotation. And this is what you need to do in order to pass your boards. Uh, Then you go out into the real world. And sometimes uh, there are places where they don't give you guidance and then you fail without knowing why. Uh, So, so be, you know, you're kind of almost set up to fail. Um, I, I say, because we're academic medicine, I know that a lot of people end up doing a little bit of clinical as well. And so right. from the clinical aspect, you 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 want to know how much clinical am I allowed to do? How much right. clinical am I mandated to do? And like you say, FTE yourself out of promotion because you're now being forced to do certain amount of clinical work and you can't do enough can't do ad- academic stuff. work. Right. And then you right. can't get those points to get promoted. Um, right. The other thing, moonlighting, right? New, right. new docs want to uh, moonlight and make some extra money right. <laughs> because pay off they some do. loans. And right. so is that an option? Right. Are you allowed right. to moonlight? Are you? Right. Uh, is there a restrictive covenant? Yeah. <laughs> are they going to say that you are not allowed to, after you leave us, work next work. door across You're the street right. with this other organization? Right. Um, right. I know a number of places have restrictive covenants, not necessarily because it's academic, but because they're always tied, usually tied to a health system. And health systems are in a major battle these days. And so right. they don't want to lose you. Um, so yeah. is there that type of uh, restrictive covenant? And then again, if you're in academic medicine, you, you're kind of like doing your work during the day. 
But if you have a clinical role too, will you be, are you mandated to be on call? Because, mm-hmm. you, you know, there's no, there are no duty hour rules after graduation. Mm-hmm. Right. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so there are no duty right. hour rules. So uh, I'm, 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 are you required to now be on call the night on night call and then still mm-hmm. show up the next day? What, what, how many of these calls do we need to do uh, during the course of the month or, you know, um, you know, that type of thing. And then the, the general stuff, you know, what are the benefits, what's your retirement plan, things like that. But I mean, um, yeah. and, and how do we know, and I would say also when you're doing there, just even as you talk to other people, how did other people succeed in your organization? How did, mm-hmm. and what would the, what mm-hmm. was, what is it that they did that allowed them to succeed? Yeah. And then those who failed, what was it that they did mm-hmm. that caused them to fail? Because um, mm-hmm. if they can pinpoint and tell you what it is that caused others to fail in their organization, then you have a heads up to see whether or not this is the right fit for you or whether, you know, there's some hidden thing there or whether, you know, this is something you're like, oh, no problem. I'm not going to do those things. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely above that, you know, so depends. Right. So, um, it, yeah. it, but it is trial and error sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is trial and error. Yeah. You, you, you said something, Dr. Campbell, um, when you were talking, I think you mentioned the word culture. And I know you were rep- rep- making reference to um, post-George Floyd and things that have happened. But uh, this is a question that I posed to both of you guys because it made me think about this. I find myself now, whenever I'm at an institution that I'm going to be partnering with, whether that's a new, whether that means new employment or just some sort of project that we're going to be working on. And I want to know what the culture is. I tend to not only ask the people interviewing me, but I'll even I'll ask the I'll ask people working in environmental services. I'll ask yes. the people who work in the yes. in the kitchen. I'll ask the nurses. What's what's it really like here? You know, because I just yeah. feel like they can tell you anything, but they're gonna, the people who don't have any say in your employment. They really don't have any reservations or any filter about what they tell you sometimes. Right. Well, so. and, and, and it's not it's not just that, too. I mean, when you walk in the building and you see the pictures on the wall, mm. do you see people who look like you? You know, know, I mean, these are simple things. This culture is experienced, you know, Um, but but the bigger thing that I was talking about when it comes to culture is really breaking the historical view of who we were supposed to be in medicine. So so as as minority folks in medicine, we were supposed to be the sanitation doctors. We were supposed to do clinical work only. Um, and so when I when I talk about these things, it's important when we say academic. So academic isn't just teaching a class. Right. Academic means that you bring new knowledge to the space in some way or another, yes. which right. means that there has to be supported time for scholarship, supported time for discovery. You know, faculty should be encouraged to discover, be curious. Right. If they just pin you down to putting a stethoscope on a chest and that's all they want you to do right. in academic medicine, right. then you need to be careful. There's about, a problem. About, right, there's careful. a problem. Right. Well right. said. Because basically well there, it's a checkbox to say we have academic people in the building, right. but they're really not. They're not practicing as because, it, you know, um, every a, a number, everybody wants to be known as an academic health center, but not everybody can actually do it. Right. right. They don't normally right. Put, put the money where their mouth is in terms right. of funding right. it and right. paying for your time so that you can yeah. do um, um, your research or to do the studying and the scholarly activity. It yeah. is academics is not a nights and weekends job. That's not what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be that you do your clinical work every right. day 
right. then on your nights and weekends, then you do your academic. Then you do an academic, that, right. No, right. that's that's not. Because they're certainly not paying you for those nights. Uh, they're not paying you for that. So that's what I'm saying. It's a twofer. They, they, they can check off that they have someone right. in academics, but they're not supporting it. So right. that is really important. So, okay. So we know what, you know, what we have mm-hmm. to think about. We have the, you just mentioned the standard contract. We discussed that. Um, mm-hmm. What are some examples of added benefits that one can negotiate for in a contract? We've taken care. They've got the standard. They're looking at it. But there are some secret benefits that people don't know about. So. <laughs> and, 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 and that is critical because sometimes right. they'll tell you, well, we can't adjust the salary. I mean, we're at the, we're at the cap there. But right. There, right. there are conferences you can ask for. There are annual right. meetings that you can ask to attend. There are visiting right. professorships. And, and really what, what folks should do is hinge those things on the literature. So go in there and say the literature right. says uh, that, that we aren't, there that. aren't many of us. I so, love right. that. So how are you going, you know, can I go to this particular institution? Can I visit with this chair? Can I do these things? Right. Um, right. There's, there's long repayment opportunities sometimes. Right. There's right. tuition reimbursement opportunities sometimes. So there are a lot of different things that you can negotiate for to help sweeten the pot if you can't get more money. Right. That's great. I, I, That's I great. like the one about the membership and attending conferences because I tell them it's not right. just the regular CME thing because right. now you're in academics. Your job is to yeah. do research, to get, gather information from your organization. Right. Share it with others because that's part yeah. of the the the, um, the education and bringing things into health healthcare. That's how right. healthcare advances, right? So sure. you're taking what you've learned from your institution, what you from what you've studied, sharing mm-hmm. it with others, and then going out there and pulling information from outside from your peers that's and right. bringing it back to your institution. So that's you're right. doing this on behalf of the site in which you work. That's uh, right. So, right. you know, right. you know, so that's that's what I always say, that that's that's the reason you're not doing it just to have a holiday. But usually these conferences, you spend all your time in the hotel, in the the hotel uh, conference rooms. You barely get to see sunlight except for on your way in and out of the airport. Um, Right. Right. And and not only that, I mean, and not only that, I mean, part of our our conference attendance is peer review for for publication. So sometimes you have an idea, you want to float it by some people or present it and folks will give you feedback and shoot it down before you write it up. Right, right, right. And and then also the network, right? These are Right. So you can now do scholarly yeah. activity together. So you are in a right. place and right. now you're you are like, well, I'm New York. There's someone in California. We're all at the same meeting in the middle of the in the middle of the country. <laughs> right. And right. We, we're both interested in the same thing. Then right. we now say, OK, fine. Great. Let's both carry this forward at our yeah. sites. So we, now yeah. we have a multi-site activity. Right, you know? right, so right. This is I mean. And then you just yeah. you get to meet like minded individuals. It's just right. so nice to. <laughs> And from the institutional perspective, you're actually engaging in marketing. Yes. You know, if if the people who they pay to go do those things, you're doing that. So to be Mm -hmm. compensated or have Mm -hmm. a a pot of funds that you can use for these um, makes sense. It makes sense. I loved your idea, Dr. Campbell, when you were talking about also um, using student loan repayment. I mean, I think we think about that a lot of times outside of the traditional structure of academic medicine, but we shouldn't. Um, If they can't add dollars to your to your overall salary, well, can you pay back some of these uh, obligations that I have in other ways? That's right. that's that's a creative solution right. if they're saying they're capped with the salary they can pay you. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Sometimes even locate, you know, they sometimes pay for you to relocate. Yeah. Uh, so just ask. I mean, ask. Right. I say ask and you yes. shall receive. That's you right. Ask, you don't right. get. That's <laughs> right. So that's right. the worst that will happen when you ask, if they say no, you have your back where you started. But that's if, right. if you say yes, they say yes, then you've now gotten something. So you have to that's ask right. for those things. Right. 
So, yeah. All right. So we got another question for you, Dr. Campbell. What resources are available for students and residents who want to know more about contract negotiation? Because it's not commonly taught, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. um, for our future. I I would agree with that. And it's really, really unfortunate. And unfortunately, I don't know that I see that changing in the future. But there are really a couple of uh, good articles, one in academic medicine that talks Mm -hmm. about contract negotiation. Um, And then there's also one in um, the Journal of Women's Health that talks about contract negotiation. And one of the points that I want to bring forward there is is really trying to make sure that it's not an an antagonistic kind of uh, push and pull kind of relationship. So thinking about your values, your interests, and really trying to align those with the mission and vision of the institution. How, how can you make this a symbiotic relationship? How can you complement each other in the work that you do? And I think that brings an approach that's more welcoming to not only the employer, but to you as a potential employee as well. Right. No, that's true. That's very true. So I think I know there's one that uh, negotiation in academic medicine, the one I think you're talking about is academic medicine, 2013 issue, April um, with um, Dr. Sambuco at all. Yes, um, yes. Or is it, uh, I don't yes. know if she's Dr. MPP, the Sambuco at all. So um, that one just talked about um, negotiation, negotiation in, academic, academic in academic medicine. medicine. Yeah. Narratives right. of faculty researchers and their mentors. Right. And That's you know what, there's, I saw one, I did, there was one from Dr. James Allen, 40 questions to ask during physician contract negotiations. Um, and that one was done in July 21, 2016. So I think if they just Google it, they'll find it. That's awesome. That'll be another uh, option for them to uh, but look at. The, the other piece, too, that, that goes with this is they also need to look at articles that speak to the experience of URM faculty. Yes. And that is critically important that these two things be laid next to each other, because mm-hmm. this isn't just a, a, a mechanical kind of informative kind of thing. There's some yeah. historical impacts. Yes. That impact your presence as a URIM faculty member that you need mm-hmm. to know about before you negotiate that is uh, true. with anyone. That's, that's, that's and really and as, as usual, just seek mentors, right? And whether they're yeah. in your area, if you can't find them. I know STFM has a lot of people, uh, mentors, you know, within the organization. Reach out yeah. to them. Ask them to, you know, to uh, help you. Um, to talk to you, talk you through it. I mean, that's what it is. It's a society of teachers of family medicine. So right. these are all people who this is what they do. They're academic med- They're in academic medicine. So reach out yeah. to them, uh, find people who can walk you through this, get, you know, spend a few moment, moments in time. I, I have people who are always uh, emailing me or calling me up and saying, uh, calling my office up to say, uh, can they schedule 30 minutes just to pick my brain? And I think that's right. a wonderful thing. I just did that with a student uh, yesterday. And so I I actually, it was a student who I had seen when they were in high school in 2000, a long time ago. They're now doing their PhD in in public health. And I, and I was like, wow. (laughs) So, you know, just to, and it's good because I, and then I do the same thing. I'll call someone up and I'll say, Hey, I need to pick your brain and Mm -hmm. uh, schedule 30 minutes and just pick your brain. And that's, you know, so just don't be afraid to do that. I'm telling all these students and residents who are out there and even the junior faculty out there, um, it's always, it's okay to reach out to people and, and just say, I just need 30 minutes of your time to pick your brain and, and in, do that. It's, in the, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. That's, yes. That's <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah, yes. Absolutely. All right. So my <laughs> final question, which we ask everyone, what are the three take home points for our listeners? So I think number one is know your worth, know your potential, know your value before you begin negotiating. I think that's critical. You got to know who you are and what your talents are. The second one would be 
to be clear in what your responsibilities are, how you are evaluated, and to whom you report. Really important that you know those things. And the final thing I would say is really be clear on how you advance in the organization. So those are three big things that I think are really important uh, take on points from today's today's talk. I think this has been like a very, very informative session. And um, I'm glad you gave me those three take home points because it's even good for those of us who are seasoned in academic medicine to remind ourselves. (laughs) Right. 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 It feels like you took a big topic and you put in (laughs) what's my worth. (laughs) Right. And, and, you know, what are, who, who do I report to? What am I supposed to be doing and how am I being evaluated and what's the next step? So uh, no matter what, this is actually, you know, those three take home points, Everybody should just check themselves every year. Once a year, check yourself and and check answer those three questions, those three points that you just made. Um, We should really, really, all of us uh, be taking that into consideration on an annual basis uh, and get some close friends to really, you know, fact check you that you're not lying to yourself. (laughs) That's that's exactly right. (laughs) I feel like you took a a, a big topic and you made it really manageable in a a concise amount of time. So that was really impressive. I mean, I'm not saying that we covered everything, but if you listen to this, and yeah. keep this on record over and over again, or just yeah. play it before you go into your, your opportunity, I right. think you will cover most of your bases. So that's, yeah. that's really awesome. So appreciate that. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the URM Journey to Academic Medicine podcast, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcast providers as well as on our website at stfm.org slash urnjam. Follow us on Twitter at stfm underscore fm. 